I would say planning is very, very important. It's a huge part of your week that people don't put enough time into. So wake up, do your miracle morning, and then spend the evening planning for the week ahead. You're listening to The Right Club Podcast, where the focus is all about helping you grow your real estate investment portfolio and live the life you want to live. Come grow with us and join our community at therightclub.com. And now your hosts, Sarah Larby and Alfonso Salemi. Welcome back, Right Club Nation, to another episode of The Right Club. Hi, Alfonso. How are you? Good. How's it going, Sarah? What's going on? Great, great. So it was funny because when we recorded this episode, I was actually meeting Dylan and it was like within an hour, we viewed some properties together. And before we talk about Dylan, I just want to talk about the importance of working with a local realtor that's also an investor. And a lot of people hear me preach that, but I think it's really important. So really cool thing. We went to see about three, four properties that were on MLS and the first one that we went to see was it was pretty good but because i'm doing this with a couple joint venture partners that are not as experienced actually my mom and sister they want to get into it finding something that's a little bit more turnkey is is a little better for this and we're looking for like a three or four unit anyways long story short the ones that were on mls did not quite work for us and he had two pocket listings they haven't even been listed yet they're going to be listed in a, a couple more months and we got to see one of them inside and then the other one we're actually going to go back next week just because there's tenants in there with 24 hours that's uh we have to give them 24 hours but these properties that are off market are probably the ones that we're going to be buying in the long run so what about you do you work with local realtors absolutely and it's just because just due to the nature of jag is kind of we're spread out throughout the the province right we're working with a lot of different realtors so we definitely do see uh, a mix when we're looking at our multi-unit buildings or yeah, long-term holds, we're looking for market experts that are in that specific area, know what's coming up, know who the buyers and sellers are in those specific areas for sure. A lot of our, the realtors work with our tenant buyers. They know the markets pretty well to the, the neighborhoods as well too, right? When we're looking at it from strictly from, from a single family residential property, they can look at the comparables in the area. But when you're looking at yeah, multi-unit buildings, duplexes, triplexes, things like that, you definitely want that expert. And yeah, Dylan's got that, that investor mindset, right? There's, it's not a transactional type realtor, right? You're looking for that long-term relationship and building that, that alliance that when we know that the certain realtors in our areas, like Dylan's one for sure. In his specific area, if we find a tenant buyer, we know that we can go and trust him, right? To take care of our clients. So that is, it is really important to have that mindset of why you're buying the building. Yeah, I think it's important too that realtor is also an investor because the numbers are so important. As an investor, I mean, I don't really care about buying something just because it's pretty or, you know, whatever. It's, for me, I just want the numbers to work and I don't want to see anything that doesn't work. And again, like if you're buying for yourself to, to live in, it's just a different set of criteria. Well, for me. I'll, share, I'll share a quick story about that. When I was buying my triplex of where I'm in, where I'm in today, right? I'm living here at the triplex. I was the hardest purchase of all. We bought almost like we bought over a hundred rent to own properties, like looked at like probably maybe 500, a thousand different houses. But the triplex that I was going to be living at was the hardest one to buy because I had such an emotional attachment to it that, Oh, look at the backyard or look at the front. And I had to turn to Adam, my business partner. And I said, listen, I need you to break this down from a number standpoint. Does it make sense or not? I don't want to look at it anymore. If it doesn't make sense, I got to get over it. But there's a lot of emotional things that I was 
contributing and it didn't make sense. So luckily I had a partner, someone to look at it from like a third party view that it was just like a financial, it was a business decision, right? Yeah, absolutely. So Dylan Suter, actually, we've, I met him from the Right Club. I mean, he's been to every single event. I think he missed like maybe one in the past few years, but pretty much. He missed the first, he says that to me all the time because when we ask at the events, He's, we always ask, you know, who's been to every event? He says, I can't put my hand up because I missed the first one. But no, he's been a huge support. And yeah, he's been on the lightning round. I know a lot of the investors that come out to the club really love working with Dylan and just got a different take on it. A really cool guy as well, too. Dylan's also only 29, which is crazy. I mean, I wish I had <laughs> his mindset at 29. And he's accomplished so much. I mean, he started when he was 18 years old, that's amazing. And that's not to say that if you're older, you can't do it, but it is great to see Dylan just killing it and going out there and getting things done. And he's got a, he's like me, like ready, fire, aim. And <laughs> I don't right. even think he, he says he doesn't even have the ready part. He just goes and fires. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. <laughs> He'll figure it out. And, but that, that's the cool part is that that's innate, whether it's real estate investing, whether it's just the way you take life on in general, right? Is, you know what, like, if it's something that's interesting enough to you that you want to go and pursue it, you'll find a way. And I've, I don't know where this saying comes from, but if, if there's things that you want to do, you'll find a reason. And if there's things that you don't want to do, you're going to find an excuse not to do it, right? So those, it's finding those things that you go and find a reason for to do it, right? Investing what it's going to provide for you, what you know is going to create that long-term dream that, you, that we all want to accomplish, right? So yeah, similar to me, I met Dylan at the right club he came out to an event he started coming out we started talking i really liked his haircut and his beard so you know similarities <laughs> <laughs> there huh <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> but yeah we just started talking so again he's worked with a few of our rent to own clients like the burlington hamilton niagara area that we you know we've worked on a few deals together and we continue to grow and we share and and similar on the same mindset with a lot of the people that come out to the right club is that you know we've told each other our goals what we want to accomplish how we want to grow Right. And we keep each other accountable. So that's the cool part. Yeah. Yes, so. is your net worth is your network or is it the other yeah. way around? You're, yeah. It's your either network or. is your net worth. <laughs> that's right. It's both. That's your network. Yeah. That's it. And that's what it's really all about. The, the TRC Nation, we want to showcase people. If you haven't had a chance to come up and meet Dylan in, in one of the rooms or one of the live events, here's a little insight or a little story of background about him. And then you can go and meet him. He's coming out, you know, and talking to different people out there. We want to introduce to as many people as make as many connections as possibly we can. That's why this podcast has been really fun to do and, and talking to really cool people and kind of having that one-on-one. -on -one. Absolutely. So, I mean, I think I'm really excited to actually get into the interview and go through all the questions. We really could have him come back <laughs> and do a, a couple more episodes and still find out so much more insights, but let's, let's hear the interview. All right, welcome to the Right Club Podcast, Dylan Suter. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing very well. Thanks for asking. Yeah, thanks for having me on here. Yeah, of course. So Sarah and I are really excited to have you on the show today. I know we've gotten to know you a little bit better through meeting you at the Right Club, and you have a wealth of experience and a wealth of knowledge. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got started in real estate? Whew, that's a loaded question. And I guess I would say I started, my mother's a mortgage broker, so she was at an age, she was a mortgage agent with Scotiabank for years. And so I kind of grew up around mortgages and real estate and property. And I never really knew why I never understood why. And I knew she was always buying real estate. A lot of times it was out of the goodness of her heart to help someone here or there. So I, I kind of found, I guess, my passion and my why for real estate from a young age. 
And then she told me that it was a good idea to invite, buy an investment property while I was in university. So my first purchase was when I was 18 and I was entering second year of university at Laurier, co-signed and gave the down payment. And she said that when I sold the property, I owed the down payment back and she would only co-sign if it was my responsibility to cover all bills, filling the unit. If I had to make money to pay for it, I had to do that. If I could make money through renting, I could do that as well, but it was entirely on me. So that was my first kind of taste of real estate. Again, that was, I guess, 2008, 2009, somewhere in that range. And then shortly after that, I was introduced through my painting company to a couple of realtors that I was working pretty heavily with that uh, had left pretty, pretty good career, six-figure income careers to get into real estate uh, as an investor and as an agent. And they basically told me that I would kill it as an agent and that it would be a really good opportunity for me. And then there was a couple of new build properties that I should purchase because they were only gonna go up in value. So I uh, went in blind at that point in time, didn't have the money when I first started putting money down for that first new build. And I closed on it, I think about two and a half, three years later, and I still have it today. And uh, I'm actually Airbnb-ing it. That, that's kind of how I started off getting into real estate. I knew there was something about it that I really enjoyed and I definitely made some mistakes along the way. I've dabbled, which I've, I'll talk about later. And it's something that I've, I've now learned the areas, what to do, what not to do. And I've decided to really focus on a couple of key areas that I really enjoy and that I appreciate. And so I have the experience in a lot of different areas, starting obviously with student rentals. I mentioned new builds. I mentioned Airbnb. Those are a couple different strategies that I've used in the past. And now I'm I'm kind of focusing and, and driven on my one thing, which is which is really important for a lot of people. And I think one thing that's overlooked by a lot of people as well when getting into real estate investing, because there is a lot of money that can be made in a lot of different areas. And the shiny object or squirrel, as I call it, tends to come up quite often. Yes, I saw that, Alfonso. So that's kind of a little bit of background on myself and just a bit of touch on it. Wow. So, so many questions I want to ask you about. And one of the things that you mentioned that I thought was really interesting is you started with no money. You bought that property and you had no money. So I wanted to ask you, what did you do exactly with that property? How did you come across it? And how did you end up closing with no money? (laughs) (laughs) So I've always been really good with uh, pressure. If someone says you can't do something, I tell them I can and I do. So my mom co-signed obviously for that first property. So I guess that's technically a joint venture, except it was the profits were hundred percent mine. It was just a matter of making sure that also the losses were hundred percent mine. So she gave me the down payment initially saying, Hey, this is your like help getting on, on your way and how I kind of got started. And you know what, instead of them paying for university or paying for my, my accommodations, it was my responsibility, but they were going to help me along the way. So that was, that was really awesome of them. And I really appreciate that. I, I owe a lot to my mom and, and my stepdad, Bill. So they definitely were the ones who started me off on that track. And, uh, and then I actually ended up overspending in my painting company when I started it on marketing. And so I ended up having to remortgage that same property to pay off marketing costs, which she said, Hey, I won't ever help you like this again, because this isn't the good use of money. It's bad debt, not good debt, or good debt. And uh, so I ended up, I had about 5000 maybe $10,000 through my painting company. My first year in the painting company, I was an 18-year-old kid. I think I took two days off all summer and I made $37,000. And a lot of that came because I signed on the dotted line for a new build. And you have to, I had to come up with 15% and it was spread over six months. So I bought it. It was $285,000 and I had a couple of upgrades that ended up increasing the price a little bit. And it initially was $1,000 upon signing, $4,000 at the end of the week. And then every 30 days was a $5,000 payment for the first five months. And then there was a lump sum. I think it was about 20, 22,000, something like that, that I had to pay at the six month period. So 
I had maybe 10 grand in my name. I put down the first thousand saying, I'll find it. I'll put my head down and work. And that put me in a position that I didn't really get to live the life that a lot of students do where you kind of sleep in or play video games or eat craft dinner. And I, I just kind of put my head down and work. So I was on the phones. I was out doing estimates. I was, I did whatever I had to, to make it work. If I had to hop on and, and actually I didn't paint. So I, I won't say that, but if I had to hop on a job site and tell the guys what to paint, that I would do that as well. So that was kind of how I forced myself into success. And then once I put that final 22,000 or whatever down, I said, Oh, that was awesome. I accomplished it. So let's do it again. <laughs> That's amazing. It's pretty much like self-imposed goals, right? That you kind of, you, you kind of, as Sarah always says this, right? Is ready, uh, shoot, then aim. So I guess that was kind of ready, how you figure it out. Aim. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I kind of skipped that ready part too. I just kind of fire and then hopefully get ready at some point and I don't know if I ever aim. <laughs> so going through those experiences, what, what are like looking back now and obviously you're like, I, I consider you like you're an entrepreneur to the core, a couple of different businesses that you're doing on. Obviously you focus on, on the real estate side of things from, from a realtor perspective and from an investor perspective, but you still also have the painting business as well too. So what are some tips um, just to keep organized for those people that have those different goals or working a full-time job, have a family, have a lot going on in their life. How do you keep that all organized and keep that straight? Well, I've owned the painting company now for 11 years. So if you can do the math, I just turned 29 a couple of weeks ago. And I guess one thing I was told, I don't know, I think about four or five years into running the business, I, I looked at myself and I said, this isn't the life I want to live. This isn't a life by design. This is a life that I have to, I have a job. I don't have a career. And I was at a home show in Stony Creek. I'll never forget the day. Gary Provenast is the guy's name. And he owns a, I think it's a Lure Homes. And it's a franchise on, on new build construction that kind of mentioned something to me in passing. He said, you know what? You're, you're an entrepreneur to the core. You're the people we look for for our franchise. And if you ever decide to make a career change, let me know. And the one thing that he said that stuck with me, and he told me to read a book, which I can't remember the name of right now at the top of my head. And it was about working on the business and not in the business. And I started looking for a coach that day and I didn't know what a coach looked like. I, I never really had anyone that guided me or, or taught me. And we could touch on coaches and mentors afterwards as well. Cause I think it's a really important aspect of, of business. And so I looked into what working on the business was instead of in the business, instead of doing the sales, instead of doing the painting, what can I do to benefit that business? And I just spent five days at business mastery and for Tony Robbins in Florida. And a lot of his concepts was on, on working on the business. So one thing I would say is that the, differentiating the difference between working in the business and working on the business is really important. And real estate investing was always something I was interested in because it was a way to work on the business. You can't scale it by working in it. And the opportunity is, is really endless if you want to go after it and you're committed to it. So I would say that the difference between working on the business and in the business is one area that I've always focused on. And that's been mainly through mentors, coaches, a couple of different companies that I've worked with and I can go into them. I wrote a couple down here so I don't miss anybody. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the biggest thing is working on the business and not just focusing on the day-to-day -day aspect, but thinking bigger. And my why statement, which I figured out about a year ago after reading Find My Why or Find Your Why by Simon Sinek is to inspire others through success to think bigger and live their endless potential. And it didn't resonate with me as much when I first thought of it because it was a two hour brainstorm brain dump session with a close colleague of mine. And we ended up creating that statement. I posted it on my wall. I read it every day and I've found now looking back on it a year, year and a half later that I've, I've really lived that. And that's been what's driven me and what's motivated me. And a lot of my success has come in the last year, year and a half. And I, I mentioned it, I mentioned it all the time, actually, that I feel like I'm doing that hockey stick where it's you chug along and chug along and chug along. And then all of a sudden you hit something and then you, you go up. 
And so that's the point where I'm at. And I mentioned 11 years, I mentioned my age and, and it's been a lot of missed opportunities, a lot of missed time out and, and kind of that, that younger age, but now I get to enjoy the life that, that most people don't. I mean, that's, that's something that you may hear in real estate investing quite a bit too. So. Absolutely. And at 29, that's amazing. I think the book you might be referring to is the E-Myth. Yes. Yes. I've, I've read that. It is awesome. So you come to a lot of the right club events and you're actually going to be a speaker on the, the lightning round panel, potentially a future speaker as well. And it's amazing to see your growth at 29 years old. I mean, you're working on so many things at the same time in terms of your business, your investing business, the realtor business. How are you managing all of that right now? Leverage. Leverage is key. The reason I, I stepped away from painting and I went, actually went back to school to finish my degree um, and I spent five months in Poland uh, about two and a half, three years ago. And that was my last semester of university. And I tried finding the area that missed the slow season. So slow season for painting was kind of November, December, January, typically. And then once the first sunny day comes, whether it be February, March or April, that's when we take off. So my fingers were crossed a little bit then to say, let's hope it's February because I found a couple of universities that you did your degree starting in October instead of September. So I got to enjoy part of the fall season and, and still do the work that I need to do here for the painting company. And then I, I basically found my replacement without really knowing what my replacement was and, and stepped away and, and said, you know what? This is either going to bankrupt the company or it's going to thrive in it. And either way, it's going to be an incredible learning experience and to fail forward. So I took the plunge. I jumped. I left. I went away. And I wouldn't say the painting company thrived. We didn't grow exponentially, although we didn't sink by any means. And I think I ended up having maybe three or four conversations for a total of two hours the entire five months I was away. I didn't check my emails. I didn't do anything. I just literally left it. And a couple of times I've heard that your business, you know, you're working on your business and you know, you're an entrepreneur and your business is working when you can leave for five or six months and, and it doesn't go belly up. So that was one way I'd say that I really understood. I, I kind of, again, trial, trial and error was, was how I've done a lot of, of life because I didn't go for a coach. I didn't go for a mentor early enough. And and looking back on it now, Keller Williams has been a huge advocate for leverage and systems and models and working on the business. I know a lot of agents, I, one of my top mentors actually has been in the industry forever and since she was in her teens and she mentions that it's now an identity. It's, it's something that it's a challenge for her because she's been doing it for so long that what else would you do? And I know a lot of agents that are in it for a long period of time, they get passionate about selling it. They love selling it. I know I do as well. And, and then eventually it's like, okay, well, what is your exit strategy? And I don't, I don't think it's planned out well enough from the beginning. So when I got into real estate as an agent, that was exactly what I started with. What is my exit strategy? What is the plan to, to exit? How am I going to pass this on to generations or on to a partner or whatever that may be? And how can it be systemized so that I can do this anywhere in the world, just like McDonald's does with their franchises and it operates the exact same way. So that's, that's part of the big focus. And, and it's, it's driving all my businesses towards that, whether it be my painting company, the real estate business, the real estate investing business, and a few other businesses that I'm looking for partners in right now that are willing to kind of go through with the mentor, the coaching, take my advice, take the words that I give and apply it to the business and, and grow the business exponentially. Hey, Right Club Nation, we wanted to take a moment to pause the podcast for a second and introduce you to our amazing sponsor, Danielle Chason, founder of Strategic Success Consulting. Danielle has been a longtime supporter and member of the Right Club, and she's also spoken on our stage many times before. Danielle is an expert real estate investor and has successfully completed many rehab projects, burrs, buy and holds, legal secondary suites, 
and several joint venture partnerships. She has also raised millions in private funds. Absolutely. And she's also a passionate educator and she's hosting some upcoming workshops that you will not want to miss. So at her upcoming workshop called Reverse Engineering Real Estate, she's going to dial into the right investment strategy for you based on your current situation, your personal goals, and your resources that you have available. She's going to give you the tools you need to start investing immediately after completing the workshop. To get more information about Danielle and their upcoming workshops, please make sure to visit events.strategicsuccessconsulting.com. Again, that's events.strategicsuccessconsulting.com. You won't be disappointed. Danielle is a wealth of knowledge and loves to share her expertise. Thank you, Danielle, for being an awesome supporter of The Right Club and sponsoring our podcasts. Now back to the podcast. Oh, and I love that is that you, you kind of got, I call it the kind of the school of hard knocks is that you kind of learned through experience, right? You learned through doing it yourself, kind of falling and, and making some, not mistakes, but yeah, learning, learning from the things of how you can do better, how you can improve. And now you're going out there and showing other people that there's a better way and, and sharing your experiences, which is fantastic. So what are some of your goals for, for the next little while? Like I know we talk about it all the time, right? We're always trying to grow and push each other and, and see what we can do to expand our knowledge base, expand our, our networking group, or expand, basically expand all assets or aspects of our life. So what are some of the goals that you have lined up that you want to accomplish in the short term, the long term? What does that look like? So I think the one thing that I would really like to touch on is my personal goal and something that means a lot to me is that every conversation I have, I want to add value. And I've, I actually got a text just yesterday. I can pull it up or I can read it in a second if you'd like. But it was, I was sitting beside someone, Tony Robbins. He's three years to the US. He's Iranian and started his business when he first landed. And I think last year his business did six million. Um, and I was sitting beside him and he was asking questions about coaching. They were selling the coaching program and it was 12 grand on for five grand or six grand. And I just looked at him and I said a couple things. I said, why aren't you doing it? And he said, well, what about the money? I said, well, the money's not there now. It's never going to be there. And uh, I just said a couple things to him and I said, what, I mean, how much will it take you to make five or $6,000 on a $6 million business? Like, let's get real. If they could increase you 1% profit, net profitability, you've blown that out 10X. And so he actually sent me a message yesterday and he stood up right then and there and gave me a big hug. And he was like, thank you so much for the, those words and of encouragement that it made him jump up and go and sign up. He signed up for coaching and then he sent me a text and, and still struggling with reading and writing at the same time or listening and writing at the same time. He's asked for my notes and I said, absolutely, I'm more than happy to share my notes, whatever I can do to help. And I don't know if I'll ever see him again. I don't know if I'll ever hear from him again. But just knowing that I added value to his, his life and his business by, I mean, just using some of the coaching and some of the mentoring that I've heard and I've, I've listened to, if that can 10x his business, I've accomplished my, my purpose this year. So uh, adding value to every conversation I have is kind of a personal goal. That's, that's kind of what drives me. That's my why, my passion. And then on a business sense, I, I didn't, didn't realize this until we was on the panel a couple of weeks ago, or I guess a month ago now at the right club. And I was asked what my goals are for 2019. And I realized that the goals that I've set through over the last couple of months, I spent a lot of time on goal setting for 2019. And I didn't even realize this until I was up on stage and in alignment and they are actually 10 X. And so Last quarter, we purchased 17 properties, my, my business partner and I, for ourselves, because we finally found our niche, we found our one thing, and our goal this year is to purchase 170 properties. That's a huge, amazing goal. So what, because you mentioned you were doing new builds, you mentioned you were doing different types of investing. What, what is this one thing that you're focusing on this year? 
So we're focusing on three different cities that I'm not going to share. And the purpose and reason is because it, I, I promised I'm not going to, to my partner. And so I'd love to share anything I can. And, and it's almost, I'd rather create the foundation. I'd rather create the success first before I share what that looks like. And so we focus on three cities and we have, we built out our power team in each of those cities because it is extremely important. I actually don't represent us on any of them as the agent. So I'm not the agent on any of my own deals. And I, I think that's a really, really important fact because I have a fiduciary duty as an agent to, to give the best service to my clients. So none of the areas that I actually sell in are areas that I'm buying in. And I'm doing that because I'm going to secondary markets and we're buying the bottom third. And a lot of the property that we're buying is uh, undergoes six figure re re renovations, at least sometimes 150, 200,000 renovations. So we're, we're buying properties that are in lower end areas, lower income areas that are smaller properties that need massive renovations, maybe foundational issues, maybe holes in the roof, something like that. And we're, we're purchasing those properties. And then we're adding a lot of value to them and making them triplex or making them fourplexes and then renting them out because there is a, a big need in that marketplace and in the entry-level marketplace. And it also gives us multiple exit strategies. Those are, those are easy to sell uh, because most investors love cash flowing properties. And so if I can cash flow $1,500, $2,000 a month on a property, it's a pretty easy, easy sell to, to an investor. And, and so that is a way that in the future, once we have some, we need to liquidate some of our portfolio for upgrading to apartment buildings or whatever that may be. Then I know that I'm going to have uh, a lot of investors and buyers just from clients that I have that are interested in those in our buyers list. So I think that's a really important factor when I'm looking for a property is we need to be able to add massive value to it. And we need to make it at least a triplex because that's where we're going to get the most value from. And my business partner is the acquisitions guy. I'm just the structure and the, the power team guy. So that, that's great where investors can come to you that you have that experience of obviously doing it yourself. You're still buying, you're still active yourself. You're working with new investors, seasoned investors. So you have that great experience to share with them through your experiences. What are, what are some of the top mistakes that investors make when they're going out and looking at properties or buying properties? I mean, I can tell you the mistakes I've made and then I can tell you the mistakes I've seen other investors make. And okay. <laughs> uh, also, like I said, I keep bringing back coaches and mentors and I can tell you the coaches and mentors mistakes that they hear. There's a lot of people who've done this before. So why would we go and learn it ourselves when we can listen to someone else who's done it? I would say if I had to, to pinpoint one specific mistake, I would have to divide that into two different categories. One would be new investors, someone who's just getting into investing first time, second time, I would say single digit properties or properties ever. And then I would say seasoned investors. So investors who have done, I don't know, looking to do 10, 20, 30 a year. I would say that first for the new investors, I would say that the biggest mistake I see is the jack of all trades. It would be the focus on nothing and just, you know what, again, squirrel. And okay, you know what, let's do rent to own or let's do Airbnb or let's do a flip or let's do a duplex or whatever that may be. I think it's important to have a backup plan as well. So if the market does shift, what is your exit strategy? So I always have at least two exit strategies. Although make sure when you're purchasing, you're purchasing based on one and you're committing to that. At least until you know it inside and out. And, and you can really, if you can't sell someone else on it, if you can't sell a joint venture on it, then you shouldn't spend time looking in another area. And then I would say for experienced investors that the tendency to feel like I can do it better myself, or you know what, I don't need a power team. I think it's one of the biggest mistakes I see with seasoned investors and your power team adds a lot of value to you. And I know there's, there's investors I, I work with right now that basically 
oh, well, I don't want to sign a BRA. I don't want to get commitment from an agent. I don't want to commit to one person because I want to be open for everyone. And it's like, you know what? If you find the one person that's really good, and I'm not telling you to sign a BRA for the entire province or country, because I'm not going to be the best person to sell a property for you in Peterborough or Barrie. I can definitely refer you to someone who can that I know I've already vetted, but I'm not going to sell you a property there. So I, I like to, to own a city, know, know a city or two and, and, and really dominate those areas. And I think seasoned investors get too caught up with, oh, well, I want the best deal and not a good deal. If you're going to scale and you want 10 or 20 or 50 or 100 properties in a year, you're going to have to realize that, you know, you might lose on one every 15 or 20. You may not make that the best purchase, but if you're only swinging for that home run, you're never going to hit your goals. And so I think that the power team and focus on, on the one area you're looking for is really, really important. So your power team needs to have, of course, a realtor, a mortgage broker, I would recommend, especially if you're going to go look at double digits, a lawyer that you trust and you respect, because as you build that respect with him, they're going to give the same respect back, whether that be financially or finding you off market deals. I think an accountant for your structure is really important. Financial planner. There's, there's all kinds of people that I recommend on your power team, contractors, home inspectors, but a lot of times like if you go to a top realtor, they already have that power team. So you can kind of step right into a whole team that's going to serve you well from the beginning. And I think, again, getting back to the biggest mistake of seasoned investors, and Alfonso would know all about this, is a property manager. Why are you doing your own properties? If you're going to get into 10 or 20 or 50 properties, why are you spending time trying to manage them? Unless it's your first couple and you just want to get an idea for what it's like to property manage, which you're probably not going to enjoy in the first place, find your specialist, find that person that does it every day and that does it better than you or anyone else. I mean, I don't, I said it already, I don't represent myself on as an agent in the areas that we buy because I'm not the best person for it. And I don't think that I can like state that point enough that you need to find that person that's the best in their field in that area and, and commit to them. Because I'll tell you right now that if I have a BRA signed with someone and I don't have a BRA signed with you and I get a deal and they're looking for a duplex or a flip, it's going first and foremost to that person who's showing me the commitment. Right. So first rate of refusal. And if someone's like, well, I don't want to sign a BRA because other agents are, well, great. I have other buyers too. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think your team, building your team of experts is key. And this is, I preach this a lot, but this is why when you're working with a realtor, you want to make sure that they're an investor because I don't want to see a deal just because it has nice chandeliers and some nice lighting, et cetera. Like, I don't give a crap about that stuff. I want to know what do the numbers work? Is this a good deal? You know, what, what are the fundamentals in that market? Like, is this going to be a good deal as, as an investor rather than uh, you know, a regular person moving into their house? So I think that's just so important. But then a lot of people are asking me, how do I get started? How do I build a team? If you find a realtor that is an investor that's actively investing and doing it, your team is going to be most likely their team. And over time, you can switch a couple people out here and there. That's what I did in Brantford. But now that I'm looking in a different market, Dylan actually and I are actually going to uh, see some properties right after this podcast. So it's do, do it and work with a, an investor realtor. It's going to make your life so much simpler. Now I do want to add one thing to that. I mean, we reached out a few weeks back and, and you asked if I would be able to help you with something. And to be honest, it was my area, but it wasn't my style of property. And the first thing I said to you was, you know what, I'm, I'm not the best person. I, I have a couple people I'd highly recommend for that, but I don't, I haven't bought an apartment building. I don't know what to look for in apartment buildings. I, I know obviously the market, I know what they're, they're kind of like, I know my, my per door cost, but it wouldn't be fair for me to go in and look for apartment buildings for you when I don't know the market. And why would I burn that bridge when 
here, here we are a couple weeks later, you're, you called me back and said, okay, well, I'm going to change my direction and, and, and look at something specifically with you. So, yeah, I thought that was awesome. Like that was actually really great to get another referral from somebody that says, this is not my area of expertise. And here's somebody else that can better help you because ultimately as well, like you sent me a deal that hasn't even hit MLS yet. It's a little bit like out of, of what I'm looking for, but you're sending me these pocket list things. And that's the point of working with somebody that's local in that specific market, because I wouldn't use, you know, even though you're great, Dylan, I wouldn't ask you to come to Peterborough <laughs> or Barry because it's not where you're getting those pocket listings. It's not where you've got your team built and set up. And so, but you know, for the area that we're looking, it just makes sense to, to work together on, uh, on this next adventure. So I have a couple things I wanted to ask you. First of all, you've got a lot of properties that you're buying. How are you financing this? Am I assuming it's joint venture deals? Uh, no. And that's something I've gone back and forth on, I would say at least three years. One of my mentors, everything he does is joint venture. And I, I kind of ran the numbers on joint venture which worth, or versus financing yourself. And I, I, I don't like to take no, if you haven't heard that. Uh, there's no such thing as you can't in my world. So I, when someone first told me the only way you can grow your portfolio is by joint venture, I said, sure, challenge accepted. Let's find the, let's find the answer to this. And so it's taken some time and taken a lot of networking and a lot of cost, to be honest, between training and mentoring and, and education I've done. Uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars in the past few years on training and education. My coach, I mean, I've just committed to another 85,000 American for the next year in coaching and, and education. So how are you getting all of these deals financed? Yeah, finance, yes. Okay. So uh, ultimately the financing aspect is an important aspect. And, and as I mentioned, I don't like to take no as an answer. It's something that I'm not willing to do. And so joint ventures is something that I've heard about over and over and over again. And on the only way to scale, the only way to grow your business. And uh, I, I work with a lot of investors actually that only do joint ventures. And I've kind of pushed them towards a new, a new financing structure that I've found, which is 100% financing on flips. And you do have to have a proven track record. You do have to have before and after photos. You do have to have some kind of backing, whether that be equity in your own home that they can kind of lend against and have as collateral, or you need to have properties you've done in the past and prove that you can do it. It's taken me two years to build the relationship that I have with the mortgage broker I use for investing. And I'm actually on a panel with her. I guess by the time this is played, it'll already be gone. But it's, it's a really important idea to think that, you know what, weigh out the difference between what private financing would be if you were to, I mean, if you can get a joint venture that just gives you money at a percentage. So you know what, 10% hard money or whatever, or 15 or 20 or whatever that may be, and run those numbers to see what your break even is. Because if you need a joint venture forever, you're gonna kind of limit your upside in my opinion. I think it, it opens a lot of doors and it also alleviates a lot of liability. But as I'm sure you can understand through this conversation and, and through knowing me, I'm not usually afraid of the liability aspect. At the end of the day, I'm confident in my abilities and I'm confident that I'm gonna find the way to make it right. And so what I've been able to do to scale is I actually have a partner on the properties and we are, I guess, joint ventured on all of them, but we don't use either of our money. It all comes private through private financing. So we're purchasing at 100% of the purchase price. We pay high fees, 2% lender, 1% broker. And we pay, I think, 8% on our actual loans and on the actual mortgage amount. So say we buy at 250,000, we're paying 8% annually on that plus 2% lender and 1% broker up front. So we're paying 3% off the 250. And then we make up the difference with a hard money loan at 15 to 18% based on the deal. And so we make up the difference with that. And then we also do carry costs, renovation costs, and closing costs all in hard money. So 
but if we have a, a $80,000 renovation, then I'm, I'm getting $120,000 hard money loan on that. And what I'm finding is that the properties we're buying in the quarter million to 300,000, as long as we can get in and out of them in three months, which is really important to do, it's costing us somewhere between 20 and 40,000 extra in financing costs through the mortgaging, financing and whatnot. But when I look at it, if I was to buy that property and refinance it and give an investor all their money back, the after repair value on these is somewhere between six and 700,000 based on the property. If I'm giving 50% ownership of that forever, it doesn't take long for that $40,000 in cost that I take up front. I take that hit up front to be paid back to me. And so the scalability on it is, is awesome. We've been doing this for about six months now, and we're just starting to refinance some of our properties now that are our duplex, triplex quads and starting to pay back some of the hard money loans, starting to pay back some of the mortgage amounts. And it's allowed us to scale. And the only way I'm, I'm, I'm even thinking about buying 170 properties this year which is also strategically done. It's, it's hundred million in assets based on our after repair value. So the only reason we're looking at doing that is based on hard money. And, and we're actually scaling that to another level where we're actually using private banking. So private banking and high, high net worth individuals will do blanket loans where it's interest only line of credit and you can pay down your primary residence because that's not a tax deduction. A lot of tax strategy that I've gone into and, and dug deeper in, which I think is a whole other conversation for a whole other day. And then finding those investors that are sitting on 10, 15, 20 million that are looking for, I don't know, six to 10%. So we're, we're looking with a couple of people right now, we have three investors lined up, one with 10, one with 15 and one with 25 million. We're going to start out with probably a couple million or 5 million and we'll blanket all of our portfolio. And we'll say, you know what, we'll guarantee you a, an 8% return annually. And we'll pay it once a year, whatever that may look like. And we'll give them a lump sum. And, and then we just have a line of credit that we buy and sell. We buy and sell, we buy and sell, we buy and refinance, buy and refinance, whatever that looks like. That's, that's really interesting because I think a lot of investors or a lot of people that are buying properties get so caught up on that interest rate. And, you know, I have to pay 3% or 8% or 6% or it's so high and how can I do this? But you're saying it's the cost of doing business. If, if you're buying the properties properly and you have a good plan in place on how you're going to exit out of them, it's the cost of doing business. It, whether it's 8% or 10% or 12%, that percentage doesn't really matter. It's if the deal is, is yielding that and is able to pay it and you're doing it in a short, smart way, you're even saying within a three-month time period or you have all those, those things in place, we were saying, yeah, that's no problem. That's the cost of, of this project. It's, it's sustainable that you can do that, right? So well, go to a bank and try and refinance after three months and let me know how that works. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They'll look at you like you got three heads, right? <laughs> so and it'll cost you a lot more to break the mortgage too, so. Yeah. I'm just wondering, how do you refinance them out? Like if the ones that you're holding, are you selling some and then you're gonna have the cash to purchase them out, right? Because at some point you're gonna get capped if you're planning on refinancing them all, I'm assuming but maybe walk us through how that exactly works because you're shaking your head. So there's got to be some little <laughs> secrets and tips that you can share here. <laughs> so this is, uh, this is going around really far down the rabbit hole and, and something I've spent about a year now investigating. So there's things called private banking and all banks have it. And it's a way that they can get a workaround by diversification. So, I mean, it includes life insurance, it includes an investment portfolio, it includes more than just real estate. And the loan to value is about 65% instead of 80 or 75. So it does require more capital. However, the, the difference, the 35% can come from equity. So it can come from investments, life insurance, because you know what, life insurance is as good as cash, because eventually you will die. Whether you want to face it or not, it's, it's guaranteed. So the bank knows that they're willing to take that at the end. And so they'll give you the risk now. And so when you get into, you have to, again, it's a high net worth program. So you have to have a certain portfolio to even look at it. And most banks don't want to, they're not going to bring in a bunch of two, $300,000 properties, but they're more than happy to bring in six, $700,000 refinances, but they won't do it every month or every day. 
So what we're doing is quarterly refinances where we'll take a whole package and we'll say, we have 10 properties that are ready to be refinanced. And with this 10 properties that are ready to be refinanced, how much do we need in insurance and investments to be able to service the debt on the 35%? And unfortunately, we're going to have to sell a couple. I don't want to. And we're trying to find every way we can to not, including a couple of flips. We're trying to do a couple of flips that have $100,000, $150,000 profit to be able to dump into the investments and insurance. And we are going to have to probably sell a few. So it works out to about 30, 35% of the properties we will have to sell to be able to service that, or I can find another solution. For right now, if we can keep 60, 70% of the properties we're buying and sell the other 30, 35 to investors, that'll help us drive the, our comparables up as well, because comparables are very challenging. So if I can sell them to investors that I know that want cash flowing properties that have a couple hundred grand, they can buy into these, then uh, we're more than happy to do that as well. And it, it, it helps everyone. It's a win-win situation. One of Kelly Williams' big beliefs is win-win or no deal. So it's a win all around and a much further conversation, I think, than, than we have time for today. But that's a bit of an overview on what that looks like. Because if you have a diversification, then the banks have a bit of a loophole around the, uh, the peak, the max. We're going to have to bring you back for a whole other podcast because like, my mind is blown here. You went from literally starting not even that long ago with absolutely nothing and you've built this huge portfolio and you've got great strategies. And I know you've mentioned mentors and coaches and you're spending like $85,000 on one. Who are your coaches and who are your mentors and why should we get them? All right. So you actually had Stefan Arnie on one of your first podcasts. And I was in the process at that point in time of vetting all of the real estate investing courses. So I had already done flipping formula because I, I saw Tony Robbins three years ago or whatever it was at the real estate. Was it? Real Estate Wealth Expo, I think it was, he was there and I got drawn in and I spent $1,000 on the flipping formula and $1,000 on the stock portfolio and $1,000 on this. And I was like, whatever, it's a thousand bucks. And then you get there and you spend three days and they basically tell you all these amazing strategies. And then they say, if you want more, pay 75 or 80 or whatever that is for our year long program. And I bought the flipping formula that was a 70 something, I think American. And that was a few years back. So that gave me an idea of what this is all about. That's how I actually found out about the, the right club and rain. Thanks, Alfonso, for never bringing up who's been here every time except one, because that would be I my was hand, just but. missing it. I was just going to say, uh, luckily, <laughs> you know, this is this is a really cool part of like we talk about finding mentors, finding people that we want to emulate and kind of follow along that plan. Dylan's been to every single right club meeting, except for one, That's except for the first one. It's the first one. <laughs> except for the first one. I will start saying that now. Who's been to everyone except one? But yeah. again, this is how you've met them, right? How you meet people, how you you've gotten across. So come to, out to the right club meetings and meet somebody like Dylan. <laughs> I'm working with both of you uh, in some capacity and yeah. I'm allowing my, my real estate agent business and my team to, to thrive through real estate investing on, on the rent to own that you were using. And, and obviously Sarah, we're working together even later on today. My power team, I met Claire at the right club and I met Claire at one of those, I don't know, hour full day sessions that she had and, and Dave Dubow you guys had as well, who I also heard about through Stefan Arnio. So I actually purchased Stefan's course starting January 21st. So I bought his platinum package, which is $62,000. And it's basically weekly, weekly coaching with Stefan. I bought into his journaling. I've, I just went full immersion because if you don't do full immersion, you're wasting your time and money. So Stefan Arnio is a, a coach that I now have for the next 12 months. And I think it's going to be a relationship that we end up creating that, that goes beyond that. I just purchased that 85,000 is Tony Robbins Platinum Partnership and that's American plus travel. So that's something that I'm actually starting in October and really looking forward to that as well because proximity is power, being around those people and, and, and your network is your net worth. I know it's something that Sarah always talks about. So I figured, you know what, why not be around billionaires then do that on a regular basis? So I would say that Stefan Arnio is my real estate investing coach. 
Tony Robbins is, is a generic coach on everything in life and wealth and, and business and, and every, every area. And then I have Keller Williams has maps coaching. And, and if you're going to buy into anything, buy into the product that you are passionate about. So maps coaching is very big on, you know what, we're use Keller Williams systems and models. So why would I look somewhere else for another coach? They have hundreds of coaches. Why don't I just keep looking until I find one and it's okay to move on from one coach to another. So I like the coaches you can commit to for a month or three months or whatever and move around a little bit. So those are the three coaches I'm, I'm working with right now. Uh, any more and I'm going to probably explode. And then my mentor is Lorraine Jordan has been a huge advocate of mine since day one since I met her and we're working together. She's actually working with us on this 170 properties and, and she's kind of spearheading those purchases with us. So that's an incredible mentor that I have that we talk on a weekly basis. And I didn't know why she was talking to me initially. And I didn't know why I wasn't paying her for the valuable information I got. And it's become really clear to me recently. And that is proximity is power and align yourself with people that have the same vision and the same passion as you. And life is just so much more fun. We go out, we do fun stuff. I mean, ax throwing or bowling or masterminds. And we come down and spend five or six or seven hours talking about how we're going to buy a hundred million of property. And here we are doing it. Lorraine has been huge. Kelly Manatees is a MAPS coach and she is my contribution uh, mentor right now. And so she's helping me a lot with the charity and the giving back aspect and contributing because I'm a, a big advocate for that, which is what this bracelet for Tony Robbins that I wear every day is. And then I have my necklace for leadership. That means a lot to me as well. Joe Malik was a business coach that I worked with in real estate uh, as a mentor. And then he stepped out and he worked with three individuals for a year. And I was one of them, one of the a lucky guys that got to, to listen to how to run multiple businesses while in real estate. Donna Beach was a spiritual mentor for me. So she really got me into the disc and the KPA and, and started me on the, the giving back and contribution side of things. And then obviously I mentioned her already, but my mom has been a kind of a mentor that I've looked up to from day one. And, and she started really with nothing when she was younger. And, and she's now one of the top mortgage brokers with Mortgage Alliance. And she was always top 10 in, uh, in, in Scotiabank and all. Say one quick story about that. When I was really young, it was the Olympics were on. I was, I don't know, 10 or something. And she came home and said she was number two in Scotiabank. And in her first year as the new, the new role. And I said, oh, that's, that's awesome. Who won the, the 100 meter dash? And she said, oh, Usain Bolt. I said, who said, who came second? And she said, I don't know, who, who cares? And I just said, hmm. <laughs> that, was, that was at about 10 years old that I think I said that, 10 or 12, something like that. And so she still tells that story. And the next year she went on to be number one in her area. Something that I've always kind of pushed, think bigger, do more. You can do anything you want to do if you're committed to it and you put your mind to it and you really focus on it. And, and clarity is power. Uh, proximity is power. Focus on one thing. Focus on what you're best at, what you're passionate about, finding your why. And, and don't let anyone else tell you otherwise because you can do it. That's really well said. And we could keep going and going and going. And actually, my mom and my sister are waiting outside in the car. So I, have to, I have to get going soon. So I'm not late for our first showing together. But definitely have to have you come back. But before we go, we do our lightning round. So we're going to ask you a series of four questions. And then you'll just answer the first thing that comes to mind. You ready? Yep. It's now time for the lightning round. This week's lightning round is brought to you by Daniel St. John. Do you think using other people's money is a strategy for other people? Not you? At Safe and Sound Real Estate Investment Group, Daniel's been teaching people just like you how to use other people's money for almost 10 years. To find out more, go to www.sasrig.com. That's www.sasrig.com. And download your free copy of the special report, Arms Length RSP Mortgages, Canada's Best Kept Investment Secret. You'll be amazed at how you can leverage other people's money to help you finance as many real estate deals as you want. Okay, awesome. So question number one, 
what is the best advice that you've ever received from another investor or at a networking event? You listed off a bunch there. So what's the one nugget? What's the number? Uh, I'm going to say, that's why I'm trying to, I'm trying to narrow it down. I think if I'm talking just at a networking event or a right club meeting, I think the importance of your power team would be the one that I would say. Okay, cool. So you mentioned a couple of things, but what is your favorite real estate investing resource? And it can't be your telephone or your cell phone. So what's your favorite resource? Me? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I would say the real estate, Millionaire Real Estate Investor uh, is a really good book. I, I would say books are one thing. Podcasts, find what you enjoy, whether that be books or podcasts and stick to that. Okay. Okay. Amazing. Number three, what is the one attribute that has made you most successful? Dedication and commitment. Not, I won't take no as an answer. Nice. Nice. And I can vouch for that because there's a few times where I've said no and we've ended up doing it. So that's awesome. <laughs> All right. The last question of the lightning round. I think I might know the answer to this one here. It has something to do with what we talked about, but it's your ideal Sunday morning. What are you doing? My ideal Sunday morning? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm <laughs> on a podcast here talking my favorite things, something I'm passionate about with real estate investing. And then I have showings booked with two clients. And so that's, that's me. I'm, I'm going to spend the rest of the evening. I would say planning is very, very important. It's a huge part of your week that people don't put enough time into. So wake up, do your miracle morning, and then spend the evening planning for the week ahead. Okay. Amazing. So Dylan, if people wanted to reach out and know more about you, where can they go? Well, I would say you can always reach out by email. My personal email is dylansuter at gmail.com or my business email is dylan at elevationrealty.ca. Definitely check out our website, elevationrealty.ca and then reach out through Facebook or Instagram, whatever social media series you enjoy and definitely reach out that way. I'd love to speak more about real estate investing and I, I have time slots in every single week in my time blocking just for real estate investing. So definitely uh, reach out and we'll set a time we can get together. Awesome, Dylan. And thank you so much for your time today. I'm, uh, I'm honored to call you a, a close friend of mine and we're doing a lot of stuff together and we're working together and love that you're able to share your information, your knowledge with the Right Club Nation. Thank you so much for your time today. Happy to anytime, guys. Wow, that was a really, really fun podcast, wasn't it, Sarah? I could have kept asking him questions, but like I actually had to get going because I, I ended up meeting him in Hamilton. So we had to cut it at the time, but we have to have him come back and do another episode or two. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know what is, as we've gotten to know Dylan, the last little, uh, last little while through the right club, a lot of the stuff that he's doing, it's ties in perfectly with the name of his new brokerage, you know, the, the elevation, it's just continuing to elevate all of our games, all of our people. And Dylan's one of those people that pushes, pushes us and pushes me for sure to do a little bit more. And he's really awesome. And like you said, yeah, that podcast could have gone on for a long time. So we'll call that part one or part two or We'll see. We'll, 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 we're going to continue to have Dylan uh, around and on the podcast. But what were some key takeaways or, or things that, you, that he said that you really liked? Just even how he's financing it. I have so many more questions I want to ask him about that. But it just seems like a, just such a unique way to do it that most people, even experienced investors, are not all familiar with. And that whole private banking side of it. I mean, that could be a whole other podcast on its own. What about you? Yeah, definitely the, the creative strategy that he uses. And what really I take away, because it, hit, it hits home for me, is because I've had so many great mentors throughout my investing career and even just throughout my life in general. 
where you don't have to go and recreate the wheel. It's already done. You put your own spin on it, your, your own version of it. Even simply, even this podcast is not the first podcast in the whole world, but it's our version of it, right? What we want to provide, what we want to bring to people, the right club, networking groups that's been going on long before, you know, we're pretty young. So long before we were even born, right? So that stuff's been happening, but how do we incorporate it? How do we update it? How do we give it the best version of that we can do so that it can complement our styles, our business and bringing people together. So it's taking the best, whether they're mentors, conversations, people that you meet throughout your life. And, you know, he's really invested in a few of the, some of the big guys, you mentioned Tony Robbins, right. And that kind of stuff. And that's deep. Like these guys are pulling those, but Dylan's an action taker. So it's getting all those things, finding out all that information, getting the best of the best, figuring out what you don't want to do, but then taking action on it and doing something about it. So that's why we had to cut the podcast short because you're going out and taking action and going out and looking at properties, right? I know. And I think we might have a good one on our hands. So I really am excited to see what happens with it. But how lucky are we? We get to interview successful entrepreneurs, investors, ask them whatever questions we want. And I think it's just like the best. Like I love the fact that we get to host the podcast and we can share this information, but also selfishly, we get so much more insight that I could have ever gotten you know, being a passive person on the bus, but doing it actively, like it is just amazing all the insights that we're getting. Absolutely. And and kind of co-hosting it with you and I'm sitting back and I'm like, I have like three questions and then you ask the question. I'm like, oh, that was a really good one, right? And and it's getting that insight and getting further because you think one way, I think another and a lot of things we think similarly on, but together, yeah, we're hopefully getting the best out of all of our guests and, and, and displaying and showing them what they do best. And that's why we want to do that. To, yeah. to provide that information for the Right Club Nation. I really want to spotlight every single one of the Right Club Nation coming out to our events and, and meeting new people and getting everybody's story. That's what it really comes. If you got a cool story, let us know. Reach out, contact us, get on the website. That's the goal. It's about the community and it's about helping you grow. I mean, that is our biggest desire for this club. It's about you first and your needs and growing and being successful and having a place to work with others that are like-minded and get to know the real estate investing community because there's not that many of us out there. And it's nice to just be able to, to have a community of people that can share those insights and those tips and, and work with one another to elevate each other. And I think that is important. Yeah. We keep, keep in that connection, getting onto the online community while listening to more podcasts, reviewing our podcast, tell us what you think about it. We really want to hear from you. What you like, what type of questions, what type of people you want to hear from us. We're talking about all different types of guests. Obviously we're focusing on the real estate side of things, but you know, there's health and wellness, there's fitness, there's all types of ideas. So if you got a cool story about that, how it's all incorporated in kind of like a all encompassing way, we want to hear that. We want to improve all aspects of our lives. When we say grow, it doesn't mean portfolio. It means even just our personal growth, right? Our health growing in that way, not growing the pant size, but growing like in muscle, right? That kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I mean, we'd love to hear from you. As Alfonso said, please rate and review our podcast. That is how we get more listeners. We can help more people. We can bring more people to the community and help others grow as well. So if you think we deserve it, please rate us and provide a review. My email is sarah at the and Alfonso is alfonso at the And we'd love to have you out at an event. So reach out to us and let us know when you wanna come out. And if you haven't been there yet, add you as your first time on our guest list. So with that said, 
I think it's a wrap. See you guys next week on the podcast. All right, right, Club Nation. So see you next week on the podcast. And don't forget, your network is your net worth. See you next time. Thanks for listening to the Right Club podcast and joining our community of real estate investors online at therightclub.com, where the focus is about helping you grow. We look forward to seeing you again next week. Thanks from your hosts, Sarah Larby and Alfonso Salemi.